back. Welcome to another episode of More Than the Title. I'm your host, as usual, Jared Thomas. We got a special, special episode lined up for you guys today. Thank you to everybody on the check-in. Bradford, shout out my brother. Everybody who's in there today, man, I want to say just thank you for your support. Thank you for the continued love. Like, you guys really make my day. You make this more enjoyable for me, and I just love what I'm doing. So, oh, we already got people in the chat. Oh, I'm excited. That's it. So if you're in the chat, this is a special happy hour drink champ special. This sponsors this podcast, yes. Barefoot Moscato. Cut the check. Um, <laughs> but we're going to take. I'm going to take a clarifying sip before we get started. Let's do it, sis. Let's do it, sis. So I want to introduce. You know, so I'm gonna give the backstory. So I met this queen where we were at the Art of Storytelling event. Shout out to Ken Emmanuel Walt my brothers but first time i met you it was just like we just hit it off it was that's just it. like that it was just yeah. like this. it was like then we said linkedin it was like bing, just to that point it. where you couldn't even remember the moment it, it was you know uh, what i mean yeah that was a magical evening it was such a great night so shout out to everybody from that night and it was just i just knew i had to have you on the show and to get everybody you know tell everybody your background so this queen is an anthem award-winning inclusive marketing strategist creator of maximize the movement and founder of be co a boutique consultancy that empowers brands and marketing leaders with strategic guidance coaching training and workshops that unleash new levels of success she's also recently been named 2022 top voice on linkedin in marketing and advertising she also writes commentary can be found in publications like ad week harvard business review marketing brew and business insider so let me introduce you know my sister my, my you know one of my good friends lola Bakery. what's up sis thank you so much jared i'm awesome i'm so happy to be here tonight you are my last live thing i'm doing i think um for the rest of the calendar year so this is a really exciting night and a lot has come full circle since this time last year so i'm excited to get into it I, I, I can't wait to hear your journey, sis. Matter of fact, so let's start at the top, sis. Let's start into how you got into the industry, and then we could kind of go into how you started your LinkedIn journey. Sure. Yeah. I mean, my story is about saying yes. Mm. So that's what really, and it's always been about that since the very beginning, but that's what led me to even start a career in marketing. So I'm in Philadelphia right now. I recently moved back, but I was here from the years of, gosh, when did I start under uh, undergrad? 2000 two to 2006 mm. like i'm dating myself but that's okay because aging is okay. beautiful um and i was an english major i was involved in all kinds of different organizations i was you know someone who liked to know everybody around campus always been very social but i didn't really have a career driven vision for what i was going to do after school yeah and then one of my friends alpha if she's watching hi alpha i always credit her for this moment she said what are we going to do next year for work She's a history major, I believe. And I said, I don't know, move to New York and like do something fabulous. And like, I don't know, we'll figure it out. <laughs> well, we have all these companies come to campus for the Wharton undergrads. Maybe we should just go to some presentations, learn about all the jobs that are coming to hire us and like, whatever. So I said, sure. I mean, why not? She told me they have cocktails. So I said, sure, I'll go to a presentation. <laughs> and that was where I met the PepsiCo. At that time it was called PepsiCo QTG marketing team and just fell in love with the idea of brand management during that presentation. It was amazing. I said yes to myself. I'd never taken a marketing class, competing with students at Wharton who'd studied marketing for years for this one job. And I was just lucky enough to be the one that got it. So that was the beginning of the journey. And I started as a marketing associate on the Gatorade brand um, right after undergrad in Chicago. Oh man, first of all, shout out to your friend again. For saying to go to that, Amazing. right? That one, that one decision changed the course of your life, right? And 100%. then 
and then to be going against Wharton Business School graduates, right? That's the creme de la creme of what they say, right? And you came in there, no background, no marketing background, and said, I'm going to do it, but you wanted it that badly. Yes. And, happened. and for anybody it. listening who's in that moment of like, should I apply to that thing that maybe I'm not qualified for? It wasn't that I just walked in cold. So this is the yeah. part people don't talk about as much. Those two days before the interview, it was like, everybody I know who's ever taken a marketing class, I'm going to talk to you. And I learned the five P's and I just did a crash course on all of these things. So I had enough knowledge and background to talk about it. And I studied the company. That's, that was key. That's where you want. Yep. In fact, I knew more about the company than anyone else who interviewed. That, that's the win right there. That's it. one on one. Know your audience. Know mm -hmm. your audience. Know who you're speaking to. So, so what was so what was that like? So you, you got the you got the position. It was, and, I mean, it was amazing. It was amazing because you know there are a few marketing associate positions. Mm -hmm. um, at least I don't know how it is now, but at that time, and you trained with the MBA hires. So mm -hmm. in my training class, I was surrounded by people who just done their MBA, and so I, I mean, not only was I learning. There was an article yesterday about how PepsiCo is one of the best training grounds for marketing. Not only was I trained there, I was also apprenticed by the people I was surrounded by, who are now, many of them are CMOs, top CMOs. Um, so it was just an amazing couple of years. And I ended up going back to business school too. So the rest of my journey went from there, but it was just the most amazing foundation. And we'll talk about the details, but in, in a quick sort of skipping us to this moment, I had jobs. I did my summer internship at Diageo on Smirnoff Ice. It was the summer when icing was a thing. Um, and then I went to Dell, did various jobs there. One little thing, a feather in my cap, I'll say at Dell, I got promoted in my first three months as an MBA hire. A number of us, they sort of fast-tracked, which was really cool, um, and had a great experience. Did my first chief of staff role for Lauren Kelly, my mentor to this day. Um, and then that was where I started to learn, huh, you're kind of good at being the whisper in your ear person. You're mm. kind of good at giving advice. And you're kind of a little bit better at that than maybe being the person you're giving the advice to. Mm. You know, I think I can play both roles, but I found a bit of a sweet spot there that fast forward again, once I went and worked at a startup to have another experience, left there to become an independent consultant because I kind of fell into it when someone who a friend introduced me to, Asia May, if she's listening, I have amazing friends, I guess. <laughs> um, she said, well, you talk to my friend who just got some investor money from one of the one of the incubators. I think it was um, Dream It. Mm -hmm. um, and he needs marketing advice. So, you know, can you talk to him? And I was kind of like, oh, hate taking these calls like mine. And we had a great conversation. And then he was like, well, I'll pay you X amount a month if I can call you a couple times a month and get your advice on marketing. And I was like, you what? You what? Light bulb. Right? Yeah, light bulb. <laughs> light bulb. I was like, so if I can arrange a couple other of these type of situations, I will. And I was miserable in my job. And we yeah. can talk about that, that later. Part, that part. Um, but I can get out of this situation, and I can work for myself, and I can just see how it goes. So that was the beginning of everything. And I, I won't mention the name of the company because they're very private. But I yeah. got into a anchor client relationship with the client that I'm with to this day. Um, that has really enabled me to really live this dream of working for myself. And then that led to me deciding to start creating because mm -hmm. I needed an outlet of expression beyond just work. So that was really how it all went. 
I love that. First of all, toast to you, sis, for betting on yourself, right? And that's what it's going to be. This is going to be a lot that happens, you know, as we see these layoffs occur. And I'm in that same boat, sis, right now, right? So I'm at a point right now in my career where I was like, yo, I played the game to perfection. I've won. I've lost. I've, I've made millions for them. I've done this. I've done that. And now I have to actually try to prove myself and to, to all these recruiters, the recruiters are 25 years old, 30 years old. I'm like, yeah, we generated millions of impressions. I got these relationships. I've ended up closing two million without a cold call. And it's like, well, do you know how to prospect? Like, what the hell are you talking you about? Said that. Yeah. yeah. It's really like, challenging to sell yourself. It, it is. Especially when you're in a moment of feeling vulnerable. I know a lot of people mm -hmm. watching are probably in that moment. It's like, I need to secure myself for the next whatever it is. Um, so I'm applying to jobs, but it's not like there isn't a sense of urgency. And it's, 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 a, it's a really tough position to be in. And it's why I'm glad that we have, you know, these communities that we have on LinkedIn and elsewhere where we can really support each other, because that's the thing I'm most worried about right now is everyone's mental health, honestly. That's that's it's a big thing right now. It's huge. It's huge. Right. Like so not everybody is fortunate. Like for me personally, like I'm thank God I'm fortunate to have been successful in certain areas where I could be like, look, I'm going to bet on myself. I'm going to put X amount of money into this. I could still hold up, a, you know, my, my, my overhead and all this other stuff. But not everybody's in that position. What do those people do? And they got to sit there and continuously play the game. And then right now you've got Meta. You've got these people. You've got Twitter. You've got all these different companies that are big name that are going to the front of the line. And that's just what it is. Yeah. And so I feel bad for the people that I worked with, like that I was that was in my you know first opportunity in tech. How do they get back in tech when it's somebody who's at Meta for twenty years that's actually fighting for that same role they're fighting for? Well, and and I mean that's why like we decided everybody watching, yeah, Jared and I decided that we're going to get into it for real and say what we really think about some of the conversations going on right now. So disclaimer is that, yeah, I'm. I understand it's important to advocate for anybody who's been laid off from anywhere. Absolutely. But, but what I what I'm not a huge fan of is the narrative that these are the best and the brightest, like oh. them to the front of the line. I think that that approach has a lot of empathy for those individuals, but I think it lacks a lot of empathy for individuals who have been trying to get their foot in the door. And I, I'm, I'm not a recruiter. I know their jobs are very difficult. I'm hoping that people are intentionally making sure they still pay attention to those who have been in the job market for a long time and may not have the sort of, and I want to call it a golden ticket because it's not, I have a lot of empathy yeah. for that situation, but um, you know, who don't necessarily have the backing of being on a list from Meta, you know, validating you as a strong performer. Absolutely, sis. I I, I want to echo your sentiments, right? Because I feel empathetic to anybody who lost their job. Like, you're better. Your overhead is probably even more than the average person, right? So you're probably feeling a crunch that's even different. Let's just, put it overhead. <laughs> right, let's just keep it real. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you're making, you know, more than market, you know, market average for your wage and all that other stuff, mm -hmm. right? But I know people that are that are fighting and clawing. Like, people I talk to that got, you know, single moms, two kids. It's like, yo, I just got my first shot at the tech. I was only at the shop because company for three months, right? How do you sell that? Well, and what do we know about interviewing? 90% of it is the vibe you're in on that day. That's right? so true. Like, so it is, it's a, it's a vicious cycle when you're feeling that vulnerability and anxiety, because you're going to go in an interview and that's all that's going to come through. 
Exactly. But how so, do you do that when you when you when your back's against the wall? Exactly. You know yeah. what I mean? When your back's against the wall and it's like, I need this, I need something to happen in the next three weeks, or things right. are gonna be really difficult for me, right? And that's gonna show in your conversation the certain yeah. questions you're gonna ask, the way you answer certain questions, all of that's gonna come through versus yeah. somebody who's you know, maybe it came from a different company, you got a little, you got a little cushion, now more laxed. We're having yeah. a real conversation. I'm talking about the business problems, I'm talking about all these different things, right? And that's the that's and, the there, and there are ways to get there. I mean, you know, sometimes it's as simple as taking a deep breath first, letting your shoulders down, you know, yeah, like whatever you need to do to center yourself. No, it's true. Just like, take, just like, that's how I start on my coaching sessions, by the way. It's sort of like a, okay, now let's start talking, you know? So just figuring out how you, calm down. I, that's what I wish for people. And then, you know, I, I mean, I'll echo my friend, Nikayla Matthews, who, and now Okame, um, who, who created, she was actually the first podcast interview I ever did, maybe in like 2014 or something. Um, and she has this wonderful empire called Side Hustle Pro. And her whole thesis is that you can start your business. You can become a consultant, whatever it is you want to create on your own. You can do it while you still have the security of your full-time job. So, you know, when people are searching for that perfect job, if your back is against the wall, I always advise find a bird in the hand. Find mm -hmm. something that can give you that sense of comfort that you don't need this job. You know, you have income. Now you're searching for the job you want. I know it's not that easy, yeah. um, but, but I do think that, you know, it's good to remind folks that it's it's okay if you do something that you don't consider in your sweet spot for a while, just to have that comfort and security so you can go out and find that perfect thing. I, I so agree with you. And I would also even add to that, right? Like it's okay to put yourself first. Yes. That's one of the biggest lessons that I think I've learned over the past couple of years, right? Say more about to, that. Say more about that, Jared. Well, let's, let's keep it real. Like I've played the game, like in the last two jobs that I was at, right? Like, I, that's how I started my LinkedIn journey. I was at a weird place where I had brought, you know, platforms to market. I've done this. I was a VP of sales. I'm 34 years old now. I got the VP of sales when I was 26. I didn't get that opportunity again. Mm. So I was in a weird space in my career. Like, damn, I did all these stuff. I worked at Khan. I did all this stuff. And I'm only getting an AE role. Cool. So I'm at a black owned agency. The brother, we had a conversation. I'm like, yo, how, how are you getting leads? He's like, man, through my Twitter. Light bulb went up, you know. What uh, I, mean? I said, "Okay, cool. It's not these thousand emails that, that you want me to push. It's actually you creating content, building relationships. So you stay over there, and I'm gonna go over here to LinkedIn. And when mm -hmm. I went over, LinkedIn, it was just like, yo, I'm just gonna be myself. I'm gonna tell my story. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna talk about everything that I feel is valuable to what the young 21 year old me would want to hear. Yes. And then it started going, sis. And that's why I wear the hats, the hoodies, because I'm like, you can't put me in a box. That's why the name is more than a title, sis. You Listen. know what I mean? When I interview Walt Gear, who literally threw all this LinkedIn and social journey, he was there that night. But that was the, it was Walt's event. That's right. He, he was really the catalyst that connected us. And I have so many stories um, about him like that. But, um, you know, I, I'll never forget when he was talking about authenticity and how that connects to how comfortable we are. It's the same thing. We talked about your yeah. energy in an interview. So if you're wearing what makes you comfortable, you're going to be able to show up as a more compelling individual. So that's so what it's really about. And, and you know, I've, I've told people before in different conversations, look at the average CEO. 
How many of them have very formulaic personalities? Yeah. How many of them don't feel like kind of quirky individuals? Very few. Yeah. And that's because you have to sink into yourself to ever get to that echelon of leadership. And if you don't, you're spending too much time trying to conform that you really need to be spending getting to that next echelon of leadership. So authenticity so is huge and so, so, so important. It's so true, sis. But I, I'm going to keep it real with you. It's also a flip side to that coin, right? What what opportunities is it stopping for me to have for me being like the ones this? that aren't yours? That's it. But that's but it's hard for somebody to not you know what I mean to not think about that, right? Like because I remember I, I even put into clip shout out to Bradford because I was on his podcast and we just put this clip up the other day and I was like I was talking to my mentor. He was like I'm like yeah, I'm going like this on LinkedIn. He said Oh no, bro, uh, you can't do it. You're going to kill your opportunities. I and mean, I'm like, but that's playing the game, right? How do we stop the game? Well, and the game has changed. The game has changed. You know, I won't, we talked about Ken. I remember um, this summer I did the CMO Accelerator program, which was amazing, like just amazing. Um, And one of the first speakers was Todd Kaplan, who's the CMO of PepsiCo, very active on LinkedIn. Such a nice guy. I complimented one of his posts the other day. He wrote me back. It was just really nice. He came in and his, I think they're they're the Air Force Ones, the sneakers everybody wears these days. Yeah, you're talking, about the, the, you're talking about the all whites, the uptowns? No, they had color on them. Okay, okay. Anyway, he was wearing sneakers. He was wearing Nikes, and and you can see how hip I am, Jer. <laughs> um, um, and that was how he presented. And he's one of the most brilliant marketers in the world. So that's his professional identity, and there's nothing wrong with it, and it hasn't held him back. And I know, of course, it's different for a lot of reasons that we can discuss, but I do, I, I love seeing more and more people own the reality of who they are. I think only good can come from that. See, but the, I, the the reality, I think, from my experiences is growing up in my career, when I first started, I couldn't be that. Like, so I would go into a company and I'm the sales guy. I got my slacks on. I've got my button up, all that other good stuff. And then I'll walk in and then I see somebody from another department, whether it be marketing something. The SEO dude is in a corner with some sandals and flip flops on. And he'd like he just came from the spot. And I'm like, How, what's up with that? Right. But that's just how we were taught. Right. And I had to do that. And all the way up until when it took a black man who was the founder of the, the agency I was at to say, you know what, Jay, if you they don't go, if they're not going to do business with you like this, they're not going to do business with you anyway. Why are you focusing on it? That was the realest thing he ever told me. Yep. And from that moment, it was it was game over. Right. So yep. I was at a small organization. I'm like, all right, cool. It makes sense because the 15 of us, I could be myself. But let me see how it translates into a bigger organization. Yep. And I got to the bigger organization, sis. I showed up like this. I asked them specifically on the interview. Yo, can I show up like this? Can I do my podcast? Can I do this? I want to interview this. I want to do this. I want to make impact. I want to do all these things. They're like, yo, we want you for you. Signed you up. Could have been at Google, LinkedIn, a few different places. And I chose this organization. Mm-hmm. Got there. Did everything I said I was going to do, right? I came in at first meeting, town hall meeting. I'm on the hat. Only person with a hat. I'm looking at 300 faces. Next meeting, guess what? I'm seeing them cocked to the side, sideways. Give people permission to be themselves. How beautiful is that? And that's that's the cool part. And that's what matters to me. Right. But also on the flip side, did it have any damage of that? What was that? Right. Like, did, did it have any negative impact? I don't know. Did it? I think when I was there it was really cool. And I got a lot of love. I don't think there's anybody who didn't know my name when I was there. You know what I mean? But when it come down to making budget cuts and all this other stuff, I'm a top performer. How the hell am I not here? And I'm generating a million impressions for you. I interviewed the CEO, CMO and everybody else. And you don't got me on the deck. Mm. You ain't got me, but but guess what? But when this Buffalo shooting occurs and I put my feelings up, the brand is, is showing Jared's thoughts. Why is my thoughts being shown instead of the CEO? 
So I am not going to be the person that you're going to be wave the flag. And this is no disrespect to y'all because I love a lot of people at that company. You know what I'm saying? It's all love, but I'm just keeping it real. Y'all wave me on, and I'm doing all this. I'm getting you 100,000 impressions. But when it comes time to make these calls, you guys aren't doing what I'm doing. Yeah. You're not out here. I, mean, I, I like to think of, especially once we've gotten more mature in our career paths, I think one of the things, and I, I'm going to call it a privilege, I feel I have the privilege to create teachable moments that may not be comfortable, but need to be had. That's the ethos of my, the way that I consult. It's the ethos of the way that I coach. Like if you want to have pretty feelings every single moment of interacting with whoever you're hiring, I'm the wrong person. Because to me, discomfort is the path to greatness a lot of the time. Mm. So, so telling people how it really is, when you did that, here's what the optics were. And you were welcoming my voice then and not now. Why? Being willing to have those conversations when you feel you, you're able to, which I, I do for better or for worse, yeah. um, I think can create a lot of change. And the more of us who do it, the more people give themselves permission to. You know, Jared, I'll tell you the most rewarding thing about doing more on LinkedIn are the moments when I hear from someone who says, and it happens all the time, you know, I was kind of hesitating on whether I wanted to put my voice out and I saw you and now I'm going to do it. Love that. Love when that happens. That's, and, and I mean, there are people who did that for me. I, I'll, take, I'll take you back. I when that. I first decided that, you know, I needed to express, it was around the time when COVID hit. It yep. was the months before that, that even a couple of my friends and peer mentors had been talking to me, Lola, where is your website? You've been a consultant for... Five years now, you don't have a website. You don't have a presence. What is your brand? Like, who are you beyond who hires you? Mm. And, you know, I started to really, and then it became a, this weekend, I'm going to create my website. Okay, no, no, no. Next weekend, I'm going to create my website. No, no, no. <laughs> next weekend, I'm going to. And that just continued until my friend Stefan was like, look, well, you, you need a coach. You need a program. You need something. And when I allowed myself to do that, incidentally, right when I had started, COVID hit. Time to reflect. Crazy. More time to really think about who we were. George yeah. Floyd was murdered. Yeah. Time to face some uncomfortable truths that we always knew about, yeah. but because everyone's sitting at home, now they're on the news. Got time, yeah. Got time. Right? And got so time. that was the moment where I started paying attention to who was talking on LinkedIn. And it was people like Madison. It was people, it was people like Liz Leva. And it was people who were unapologetically saying the thing to the point where in the beginning, I was a little triggered by, how does she think she can say that? I don't know if she should say that. But that was really me saying, I wish I could say that. I, I'm laughing, sis, because I thought the same. I said this to Madison. Anyway. My, my pearls. I don't even have to have any on. I'm clutching them. But that's so actually real. inspiration. So real. And so, yes, I do things in my own way. And my platform is about, you know, responsible marketing, which is what I've come to call it. It's about the mm -hmm. opportunity for marketers to use social impact as a way to create business impact. But by the way, only when you do it authentically in a way that can be measured in a way that creates long term, really, really meaningful results for the historically excluded community you're trying to serve or the cultural cause 
or environmental cause or whatever it is that you're looking to contribute to, yeah. that unlocks business growth. So beating the drum for the, that belief that I have became a lot of my platform, um, along with just how I feel about the importance of people who are not men learning how to unleash their true greatness and leadership. And I say that specifically because wow. we call it women, but it's really not. We know that gender is a continuum. So I like to say people who are not men because that's more inclusive. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, just allowing myself to share, this is what I always explain to people, the thoughts that I would text my group text. Yeah. Those are my posts. That's it. And I've spared them a lot of me. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I think my friends that I'm in group chats with love me a lot more now because <laughs> they don't have to hear it all the time. Those are my posts. That's I mean, so it's, it's really that simple. I'll, I'll pause here for your next question, but um, I'll share that, you know, that Jackson 5 movie. Mm -hmm. You said so the American like, Dream? I was like, I have so many songs and I just <laughs> need to get them out. <laughs> that's how, that that's where I was. And now they're coming out. Songs are coming out. I love it. At, so, a, at a ridiculous pace, but I just have to roll with it. So, so I'm curious, you know what I call it? I call it the LinkedIn bug. And, and you know what's crazy? When me and you actually started at the same time, and you know it was Madison that actually got me to like, I'm like, I see a blue hair sister talking that talk. And I'm like, wow. And also like, really talking, talking it. it. Talking like, that talk. I'm like, holy crap. And I'm like, and I also. She has a job. And was doing it. And that would made me say, you know what? It was that moment. It was those people like her, Quentin, Liz, uh, Chris Walker on, on the business side. Like with so many. Aisha. Not so many. I started a little bit with Aisha on LinkedIn before I realized what she was really doing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what, but that's what it's about. And that's what gave us the confidence. So I'm curious for you, like my moment was, I, I had to just stop talking about SEO content, business related stuff. It was, hey, I'm Jared, 20 years old, working in bar Dallas BBQs and Starbucks. I had my first kid on the way. Yo, how did I sneak into tech? I was on Indeed and all it, And I, I, I showed my process and what happened, how I got into tech. And that took off. People mm. from all over the world, like, yo, I love your story. Yo, I resonate with you. I love what you stand for and what you represent. And that's when the LinkedIn bug hit me. And I'm like, nah, this is real. This is what's going on. So what was that moment for you, sis? When you started your journey, it was like, whoa, this has legs. Yeah. I mean, there were there were a few. I think in the beginning, it was productizing sort of the different things I wanted to talk about off of LinkedIn. That yeah. coaching journey had a lot to do with it. I created Maximize the Movement, which, as you know, is the original workshop for inclusive marketing strategy that has turned into this book and, you know, other thing that I'm calling responsible uh, marketing. And so just having that thing that I was so proud of to talk about that I believed in so much and that applied to so many conversations that were ongoing, that fueled me to allow myself to mm. speak. But the first year... It was a little slow, like I was doing lives and I did a webinar on Maximize the Movement, but I was still editing myself. Like I was still almost writing it about it in like textbook form. Yes. It wasn't, it wasn't really me yet. And, and I'll tell you the exact moment. I mean, there are a lot of different things that contributed, but Trish Lindo, who's my amazing creator manager over at LinkedIn, um, she, you know, invited me to have my first, like, let's talk about your strategy call or whatever that I guess the creator managers do. It was probably a 25 minute call. And somehow in that call, she like, she loosened something in my brain that was holding me back mm -hmm. from just letting it out. And she also convinced me 
that each post didn't need to be a textbook. I could simply share one of my thoughts at a time. Yeah, so true. Good advice. And it and that I mean, you can see if you if I look at the data, it's like I got that advice from her because of all the preparation and experimenting that had happened before. Um, things really started to take off, you know. And, and I also credit the editorial team at LinkedIn for recognizing somebody who didn't have amazing numbers or anything like that as a top voice, just based on the the quality of the messages I was putting out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I have a lot of respect for for that. And certainly that decision opened a lot of doors for me because it was just a feather in my cap that like you know, attracted attention for better, for worse. Like I kind of wish the quality alone would be the thing that attracted attention, but we live in the world we live in, right? Absolutely. So (laughs) that was going to be one of my questions, and it's a great segue. What were some of the biggest impacts that being a top voice had on your personal and professional life? I mean, it was, it led to my book deal. There we go. I got an email. I mean, this is. Toast to that. I don't always have idyllic moments, but this was one. Okay. I was on a retreat in Accra in Ghana. I think it was back in March or April. Um, and we had just done our vision boards. Kwanisha mm-hmm. Green is the woman who organized the retreat I went on. And we we're actually classmates at Penn. And on my vision board, one of the things I wrote was turn maximize the movement into a book. This is a real story, people. The next day, I got an email from someone at Kogan Page. Hey, I saw you on the LinkedIn top voices list. And I could tell they really read my stuff, like played back, not just inclusive marketing, but the way I'm thinking about it mm-hmm. in a way that I, that made me feel very comfortable having the next conversation. And then from there, it was, we're doing this. We're doing this. And I mean, I don't want to be that person. Let's talk about it after I'm done writing. I'm in the thick of that right now. So I don't want to over... Um, discuss it until that point, but uh, why why I'm bringing it up is to inspire people that you never know what saying yes to something is going to call in that you couldn't even imagine. Love it. I don't know if it was the willingness to write it down on paper that something cosmically happened. I don't know, but but it did. However it happened, it happened. And that was the next day. That is that is so in, the next day. That is insane, sis. The next day. So first of all, you you you've earned that, right? You put in the work and all that stuff to get to that point, and it was just the stars aligning for you, right? Those who are not prepared would never be ready for that opportunity. You was ready. You was ready. You had built it up, and then you got that, sis. So one, first of all, like I'm rooting for you, sis. I can't wait to read Thank the book. You. You, know, you know, I'm gonna need an autograph yes. copy on the air right of now. Course. I need an autograph copy, sis. So like, and then. So once once you did that, I mean, I can, and I can tell you, you can order it on Amazon. Doesn't we haven't solidified the cover yet, but it's so there's no picture, but you can order it. Um, so it's like it's actually happening. It's kind of you, crazy. you tell me when. I'll give me the link. Please put the link in the, in the chat too, sis. Just so anybody who's, if you don't mind, you know. Oh, what I, mean? I mean, of course, I don't mind. Oh mind. I need everybody to support and do all of that, sis. So, oh, so, so, once, so once you once you got that on the top voice, so how, what is that process like, sis? Because I'm not gonna lie, like. One big discussion that was happening on the on the um, the conversation about should LinkedIn be paying creators was uh-huh. was the process of how they select their creators and the top voices and all those things, right? Like I've always wondered what goes into that, right? Like so for I me, no, I don't know. Yeah, so like from my experience, I'll, I'll be real with you, sis. Like I'm in a creator program right now. It oh, happened- you are okay. That's yeah. amazing. Well, so you got some sort of a grant, right? 
No. So what is the creator pro when you say creator program? What do you, is that like you have a creator manager? No, I don't have anybody. Sis, I am on the creator program then that you're in. But that's what I'm trying to say. So I've I've got somebody. So shout out to Jesse. Jesse, I had a conversation with this young lady, Jesse Grossman. Shout out to her. We have a conversation. She's like, Yeah, I'm part of the LinkedIn program. And you got more followers than me. You got a crazy this and that. And you got great content. You need to be in touch with this person. Put me into some uh put me in touch with somebody from LinkedIn. I have a conversation with them. I see what you're saying. He's like, yo, I love your shit. I love what you're doing, bro. So let me add you into the program and da-da-da. He just did something on the back end. Next thing you know, I'm getting emails talking about what's gonna be the trending topics and you know, what I should be posting. I see, I see, I see, yeah. So we're, we're, we both get those. Um, hold on, I'm going to pop the link in the chat like you so said. Yeah. And that's there. I think that's there now. Okay, now let's get into this. Yeah, so, so what is that? So if, if that was my experience, I wonder how many times was that replicated, right? Was it somebody actually dedicated to me? There was somebody who was just, if somebody could just say, hey, I'm just add you to the email list. What is the real value of being? Well, well, yeah, Andrew, let, me, let me take you where I think this needs to go. Okay, cool. It's not over. And I will tell you that what I, one, one of the things people haven't been on the receiving end of my self-advocacy, some might call it even squeaky wheel level self-advocacy, don't know is that, yes, I just talked about a few things that were attracted and called in. Oh, I do a lot of outreach. I do a lot of, why don't I have that? I, literally, I do a lot of, why don't I have that? I should have that. Why don't I have that? And I will ask the question, and I will ask very politely who I need to talk to. And I wish, yes, Love things that. came to everyone without having to do that. But I will say, you know, and even, you know, and here's the empathy I have for, because I know a lot of amazing people who work at LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn is creating economic value at a level that none of us are really acknowledging. Like, mm-hmm. if I think about, I have more than 10 examples of actual, like, there was, LinkedIn was the pathway that a dream came true, including the book, including my job at the Daily Dot. I applied on LinkedIn. Yep. So all of these things. Now, is everything a perfectly well-oiled machine yet? No, because it's still sort of a middle-aged startup. And I'm not defending things that don't go right, because I always, I'm always, and they can tell you, people that I've spoken with, I'm always the one to say, here's what I don't agree with about the thing that just happened. But I will also call it out in a way that's, so how can I get that resource? And honestly, that was how I became acquainted with Trish. It wasn't like that just happened. I, yeah. I'm remembering, it wasn't like, wait a minute, I've heard some people have creator managers. I wouldn't, I would love one of those. And then the meeting happened. So um, being willing to, and, and it doesn't always lead to a yes, but I think for everybody listening, you know, and even for you, asking for the thing you want. And if it doesn't happen, asking the next person. And if it doesn't happen, asking the next person um, is is usually how I get things done. That's real. That's definitely real. And I could appreciate that, sis. Like, cause I, I, be, I, I love LinkedIn. I scream into the mountaintops. You know what I'm saying? Like it changed my life. It changed, it changed my confidence. It changed a lot of things about me. Even my career. Like I'm a dude from the Bronx in a in a two bedroom apartment, and I'm talking to people like the CEO of Revolt, the CEO of this, and and 16 handles. All right, we're going to get yeah. But but and that's love, sis, and that wouldn't have happened without the platform and out me being there. So I love it. And I want other people to experience what I experienced. Yeah. But I also wanted to be like 
I don't want anything handed out to me, but like, what's up? Like, yeah. I have a creative manager. Like, I went from three to seventeen k. I know I'm not like the the bigger anything like that, but like, yo, right. I'm actually doing That's something. Dollars and I have. <laughs> yeah, I have no resources. I'm doing it all by myself, and which is cool. I don't mind it. But what other resources should we have, and why are we not getting compensated? So I would love to go into that. But yeah. I also agree that all of us. They're getting their money. So anybody listening, they LinkedIn makes their money through ad revenue and keeping people on the platform, just like every other social platform, right? So the more people, you guys remember LinkedIn 10 years ago when it was just somewhere you could just verify if somebody worked at a company and you send a webinar or a blog post, it was the worst, right? Until maybe five, six years ago when people started actually creating real content, mm-hmm. giving value and all those other things, right? Their market value shot to the moon, right? Now they are a $13 billion company. So if the creators of the one actually creating the platform and LinkedIn does have great content, they have courses, all that good stuff, but is the creators that are actually carrying the platform and screaming it and saying, get on here. Why, what do you think says, do, should they get paid for that service? I mean, in a, in a, in the world that I would create, if I was creating the world from scratch, yes. Absolutely. You know, I mean, but, but, but that decision would have been made at the very outset. So it would have been thinking about, well, how are we going to put content on this social network like in the beginning of Facebook days and then thinking about the people creating that that content as the talent but that budget never got budgeted and it still worked and then Twitter and that budget never got budgeted and then it still worked and then Instagram and that budget never got so LinkedIn for better for worse is simply following the business model that we've all agreed to yeah yeah we don't pay for it, so we're the product. Right. My tough love is like, if you want to monetize your voice, do it. Not you necessarily, but people yeah. who want to. I've seen a lot of people say, I'm now going to my whatever those, uh, uh, what's that like newsletter thing that you can charge yeah. people? Yep, yep. That's where you're going to get my thoughts. And that's it. And I, and I, whenever I see something like that and I have the ability to, I will support it because I think that. We have to own our own destiny and decide whether or not giving anything away for free is worth what we get in return. Absolutely. At this moment right now, for me, it is. But does that mean that I, I, I don't wish the business models were established differently? I do. I mean, that's the same thing when it comes to unpaid speaking. Like, it's like there isn't a budget. Like, well, why didn't it get put in the budget? Somebody created the budget. I mean, at one point, you know, I mean, I, and I'll say this, I, I remember asking that question. I also do a lot on fishbowl and there, and they know that I'm, you know, I'm always going to say the provocative thing I created at um, the urging of one of my friends who's the co-founder, the mm-hmm. women in marketing bowl. And, and that's been a really rewarding place. I mean, it's crazy. We have like 21, I think thousand people having conversations. It runs itself at this point. I check in like twice a week and answer some questions, but it runs itself. Right. And I remember saying when they when they sold to Glassdoor, so now are we going to pay bowl leaders? Hmm. Let's go no, it's not in the budget. Okay. All right. Well, who made the budget? You know. And so we. But but then I keep. So if I at that point I continue to do the unpaid labor because I make a decision that there's something in it for me. That's on me. Yeah. And I'm going to keep asking the question. But whether or not I engage is on me. Absolutely. See, but I think I think with LinkedIn and just like all the other platforms, but specifically LinkedIn, there's a whole ecosystem 
around LinkedIn, right? There's coaches, there's workshop people, there's, you know, talent, there's trainers, all types of stuff that we're doing, right? Yeah. So I think if I was LinkedIn, if I'm paying $60 for a premium account, right, that really only gives me the benefit to see all of the people who pr viewed my profile and a few other additional benefits, right? Like, what is it for me, right? I think we should have a certain, once you reach a certain engagement, if you hit a million, a million comments, you hit a million views, impressions, whatever the case may be, the shows that you're a creator, then you need that stamp. You need a blue check. You need something. Give us mm -hmm. something to say that I put in the work, right? Because yep. anybody could put in a viral post, put up with their grandmama that 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 you know that was you know sickly or something like that. They put a picture up of her, and now they got twenty thousand views, and they got two million impressions, and now they're giving training on how to do LinkedIn well, right? And that's the whole ecosystem. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Get you your know, money. I I hear you, Janet. Listen, I wouldn't be surprised if. In the coming years or months or whatever it is, I have no. I'm not. I, I'm not an employee. I have no insight into what's what's happening in the pipeline. But what I do know is that there's no way those conversations aren't happening. Um, and and I trust that the people I respect who have control over what happens there are carefully considering this type of feedback. So I think we should keep Absolutely. giving it. I think we should keep giving it. And in the meantime. I think that we should figure out how to get ours from this machine because Absolutely. that's what those people are doing, you know, Absolutely. for better, if, whether you believe in it or not. Um, and I, and I know for a fact that there, there's a, there are a number of people who would pay you Jared, for your advice on how to do what you've done, because it really has been fantastic. It's just that Absolutely. whole aspect of putting up a shingle and saying, Hey, you know, come by what I got. And I hope to see you do that. No, absolutely, sis. And it's coming OTB Digital. We're going to make the announcement when we're doing it. But, sis, I want to ask you another real question, right? Because okay. I don't think people talk about this enough. And you okay. brought up the idea. Has LinkedIn affected with your mental health at all? As far mm -hmm. as engagement, what you post? Oh, no, 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 no. And here's why. I've heard crazy stories. And I'd love to hear your perspective. I, and, and I'm glad you asked. I mean, I could care less about the no, those numbers. Yeah. Because that's not how I'm measuring my success. At all, in the least, because those numbers can't pay for anything. They can't keep me warm at night. They can't do a darn thing other than create some sort of, you know, momentary, you know, dopamine effects. And mm -hmm. so for me, it's about having a place to get that, like the Michael Jackson thing. The music is in me. It's the value is getting that out. If anything, that's had a, that's had a positive effect on my mental health. And it's because I'm not I'm not chasing numbers at all. I have a bigger goal, which is to connect with people who are in my sort of target audience of senior level marketing executives. And by the way, I do that proactively. So fast, like rewinding to kind of when I was kind of starting all of this, mm -hmm. one of the things I did that some people are really surprised at is like I typed in chief marketing officer. Connect, 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 connect. Keep marketing up. Connect, 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 connect. And that's, and guess what? They all said yes. They love having inspiration. And, you know, I've done marketing roles before. There's some level of credibility there. It's a very low barrier to yes. And I, and so I asked for it. And so being able to have a sort of almost Wikipedia-like yeah. index of my thoughts available to those individuals who I want to work with off LinkedIn. That's what it's about for me.
that's all it's about. And then you, you know, that's sis, that's a clip. I'm letting you know before time. That's a clip right there because you bodied that. <laughs> I want more people to like remember that the likes do not mean a damn thing. Nothing. And some people might disagree with me, but I, I'm willing to have that conversation with them. I, my, you know, my good friend um, Richard Moore talks a lot about this. Anybody who's looking to kind of shift to the mindset I have, I would follow Richard Moore, and he and he talks brilliantly about this. It's about how you use the connections and engagement or whatever that you get. So you can't even follow up with 20 people in the DMs to try to create some sort of a business relationship. So why do you even want that? A solopreneur, why would you want to have a hundred people that you need to follow up with if you don't have the staff to do that? And, and if you really think about it, the answer is, so I feel loved. Well, you need to go get love somewhere else in the real world. <laughs> because it's not going to be here. You know, get a cat or something. I, that, yo, that is so real, sis, because I, always, I say it all the time, impact over metrics, right? At the, in the beginning, I'm not going to lie, because we all want them... The, I look at the, like, the likes. The likes and the views are just gives me a, a, a bigger opportunity to create more connections. Sure. That's what I care about. Like for me personally, I care about you know obviously connecting with the CEO level CMOs because I love. I'm a student of the game. I want to learn and also give what I experience, and maybe they can change how they, you know how they how they run their business or something like that. Or they see a Jared in their organization, like oh maybe I, I'm looking at him differently. But really, I'm talking to the 22 year old me because I didn't have a Ken, I didn't have a Walt, I didn't have you, sis. So it was just me on the island by myself. I might see you in a conference and me and you look at each other from across the room. We give each other the, ah, you here, you ain't here, we ain't here. You remember that? You remember them days? And then we, oh God, you reminded me, this is such a random aside, but yeah. when I first moved to Austin, Texas, um, after I graduated from business school in New York, I went to NYU Stern. Yeah. I lived in the Arboretum, which was a very not that diverse part of Austin in between downtown and where Dell's offices are in the suburbs. Mm -hmm. And I remember one day I was driving back to my apartment. I saw another black woman in my neighborhood. I like stopped the car, rolled down the window. I'm like, excuse me, can we be friends? That's <laughs> like, that's like, we're just drawn to each other, you know? That, um, that's the so, industry. Yeah. That well, was the industry so, 10 years. Where are you going with that? Yes, mm -hmm. that is the reason to want to sort of, you know, scale the volume of your engagement because it is service. And so that's a lot, that is a, a valid goal. And sure, certainly that's a goal I have. But is it, is it depressing to me when something I share doesn't achieve that particular goal? No, because I know that the next one will or whatever. You know what I mean? And, and I think measuring how well our content does as a way of measuring how compelling our ideas are with the people we want to consume them. That's okay. Then that gets interesting. That gets interesting. That's useful. That's cool. That has some utility, but everything has to have utility to matter. Absolutely, sis. And you, you, you spot on with that, right? Like, so like I always thought about it, like when I first started, sis, it was just, a, it was to get sales. Once again, it was like, all right, look, how do I break the sales barrier down and be me in order to drive the people that want to connect with me in order to do business, right? Like I closed 2 million sis in a small agency without one email during the pandemic. And that's the only reason I started the podcast. Cheers. This, you just talk, that's the only reason I started the podcast. I had my whole pipeline disintegrate. And I was like, yo, look, we're, you're doing good on Twitter. I'm doing good on LinkedIn. Let's just get some people that are friends, get them on the thing and let's build relationships. And maybe they'll throw us a bone to keep the lights on in this place. And it started working. And the next thing you know, we started to love it and boom, boom. And then we got to where we are today, sis. But like, I look at it, sis, like, I'm not going to lie. When I do get pissed off on, on LinkedIn, 
is when somebody takes a similar thought or takes your thought. Oh, and it blows up. I cannot stand it. Don't even get me. Listen, I when I first it. started maximize the movement. <laughs> I know you got it. I know you've had it. I, I, you know, you click on the hashtag every now and then and see yep. oh, how many people are following my little custom hashtag. Yeah, I click on the hashtag, and I'll never forget. I had written about the change from the name of um, Aunt Jemima to whatever it changed to. Uh huh. And why did I see the exact same post, word for word, including the custom hashtags? Lazy. Can't even steal properly, you know, from yeah. some agency in Colorado. I messaged this guy like, um, can you please share my post and attribute my work instead of taking my words and pretending that you're yours? Oh, well, that's how the internet works. Look at that. The level of gaslight. I'm like, are you shitting me? You know what I did? And so I want people to know that when if you really care that someone saw your work, you want them to take it down. This is what you do. I went to the comments of their business page and I'm replying to their clients saying, did you know that such and such actually steals people's work? Look at this side by side. And I called him out in his space. And that, let me tell you how quickly that post went down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Not the, not the wrong person. Absolutely the wrong person. Because it would have been one thing if it was, oh, you know what? I'm so sorry. Let me add your name to it. But you just told me that stealing is how the internet works, and we're not having that. But that's but that's how it sits. I've had I've had one of my life that same story I was telling you about when I was twenty year old in Starbucks and all. Somebody stole that word for word and got more views than me. Well, I mean, you know, I'm like I'm like. I want to ask you a question of that. Why does that annoy you? Because I, the stealing I get, but the fact that it got more views. Why no, does that not the fact that it got more views, but it's just like. All right, you got more engagement off of my story. Show me my love. Like my story is my story. It's unique to me. This is what right. I've been through. Like I could have been like you know my family's teachers. I could have been in border at. I'm the one that bet on myself and said I'm going to tech. I was working two three jobs, all that stuff, hustling, all types. It was of personal. It hurt. Yeah, it hurt. It's like yo, this is me, and yeah. this is something I didn't want to even put out there because I was like, mm. and then you got up the courage to do it. Yeah, and this one was a little different. It was just sort of like it wasn't that. Oh my goodness, if someone stole the first time, I you know allowed myself to write about my sister who has special needs and she's a special person because she's amazing because she's actually she's brilliant in a whole nother way than we understand you know in our own little sphere of what brilliant means mm -hmm. hers is on another dimension <laughs> um but like i didn't want to write about it because it felt exploitative because you, you, the whole thing you were saying like the whole you know you can tell when it's being done as like a tactic Yes. I just, mm. But then, you know, I found a moment where it was like, this is the story I need to tell right now because it's what's happening. And it's actually very honorable of, you know, what I consider to be her brilliance. So I'm going to go ahead and do it. If somebody would have stolen that post, that, listen. They're heartbroken. I hope, I hope, I hope the, the lens of AI doesn't give my pictures to the FBI because that, that, there would be something that would go down. 
<laughs> that's exactly you, you summed it up her beautifully. That's exactly how I felt. But yeah. it happens day in and day out. There's so much nastiness that goes on on LinkedIn. So for everybody who's listening, there's all like I know you do it organically. So I'm not even gonna ask you, sis. But like we do our stuff organically. Where we're, me personally, my content process, I have a thought, I put it out. That's it. I have no, I don't schedule my posts. I don't do anything. However, I feel if I have a client conversation, I throw it up there. If I do this, I throw it up there. This something mean you have to talk. I'm gonna throw a gem that I, that I took out of it and put it up. That's just me, right? But there's people that do pods. There are people that steal content. There are people that are doing all types of stuff to get that view. And what that does and why I get annoyed is taking away light from somebody like you, me, or anybody else, Madison, that are actually doing and saying stuff that needs but to be You know what? Nobody can take my light. They can no, try. Not, not take light. You know what I'm saying? You can, you I know what you mean. Like they, it's, it's not earned. And, exactly. You know, so I'm going to channel, because this is funny. The conversation we're having right now feels sometimes like the conversation I have with my mom, who's one of my greatest advisors. Oh, come on. Um, and and she'll say to me, like, I'll be done. Be like, Can you believe it? She'd be like, oh, do you want to switch places with them? <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I didn't say that. So, like, to me, it's sort of like I have a lot of pity for people who don't have original ideas because they come so easily to me. Fact. That must be a very sad way to exist, to always have to be using someone else's ideas and not have your own. I don't like I don't know how I would survive. So I feel bad for those people. And I know for a fact that, you know, it can't feel good to have to always be sharing someone else's thing. So, you know, I I, I, I wish them the best, really. Bless their souls, bless their hearts. What bless are they saying? Bless, bless their hearts, baby. And I, I'm glad you brought this up because you know, Liz Hurley and I, um, Lisa Hurley and I, I don't know why I said Liz. I was thinking about, I was thinking Liz, about Liz. You guys emerge into one person for me now. Much no, love Lisa Hurley and I were talking about this idea um, and she called it lazy linking and, and I called it content colonization. And, mm. and so, yes, I, I look sideways when I start to see if for an entire like quarter if every single post someone who posts a lot did was sharing a thought of someone else, I start to wonder why there's nothing going on in their own head. That's just me. That's, you know, cause I don't, I don't, to me, that's kind of like, okay, great. You can amplify, but is that all you can do? Yikes. Yeah. I'm not, not a lot of people were not going to like that. I just said that, but I no, said but, it. But, yes, that's so real, but that's a lesson that we learned in our process, right? Because, not everybody's going to be us. Right. Not and there's a way to do both. No, there is. There like, is. Liz is somebody who, I like, she will write an essay of original thoughts and combine it with platforming and giving light to someone else's content yeah. that, in a way that benefits them. That I love to see. No, for sure. Or consistently, oh, I just share someone else's tweet with, like, one word. I'm like, I'm over it. It's lazy, yeah. That's first of all, shout out to Lisa. I love her. First of all, you know, we're supposed to have Lisa on, but we're going to get on season three. So I love Oh, yeah. She's amazing. Lisa. Lisa. But like, like, like you said, you hit the nail on the head, right? Like we have all these creative ideas. We have our original content. Like we're trying so hard. And then anybody who's listening, like this shit is not easy. Like it's not like just the commitment. It's like working out. Somebody told me this in a DM the other day. He's like, like creating content is a lifestyle. And that's exactly what it is. It's like, yo, once you're stuck. It's part of my life. I got to post something. It is, it, I'm so used to it now, right? So so to see people take our stuff or, or do all those things, like, it's not needed. You could just be yourself and be dope enough. Have the confidence in yourself that exactly. you're that 
Like that's that's what it is. Like I've been shitted on my entire career. I've been told I'm not smart enough. I'm not this. I know Ooh. I've got teams. I've seen other people get promotion. All like, guess what? I'm still dope, and I'm still gonna be me. Can we cheers to that. And you got can we cheers to it, sis? And sure. that's that seems to you, sis. And that's what you gotta have that confidence. It's not in us. It's, it's not. And, it's, and it can be hard when another thing that I I think you know it's actually if I go back to one of the training things we did at Pepsi. Yeah. There was somebody who came to speak. I've been meaning to look up this book. I have no idea who the author is, mm -hmm. um, but it was called The Little Red Ball. And there was a concept in that book called The Lonely Work. We're gonna, I'm going to have to look it up and put it in the chat. Mm. And that concept has stuck with me ever since. Because as you know, Jared, so much of what you express is a result of the lonely work. And what is that? For me, it's reading. Yeah. If people knew how much I read every day and have been for my entire life, they would get why there's so many things coming out because that the inputs have been happening for literal decades. Yeah. Um, and that's one of my greatest joys, but it's also what leads to, you know, and no ideas are fully original. I'm not trying to say everything I've said, no one's ever thought, but you know, I'm not going to like screenshot it. You know, it's coming out of my head. Um, yeah. So that, that preparation of, allowing yourself to learn and seeking the knowledge that inspires you and really turns you on is how you get to a point where a lot can come out. So that's part of the process that if I had, were giving advice to, you know, well, the 22 year old version of me was reading a lot, but like if I was giving advice <laughs> to a 22 year old who wanted to become a content creator, I would tell them, go read everything that you're obsessed with and the magic will literally happen from there. Absolutely. And, and also, aside from reading and doing those things, look at what's being done right now and try to be creative. Do when everybody goes right, go left. Or when somebody does go right, ask why. Like that, that was for me. Like when I first started. I, I, yeah, yeah. Like, why are you posting this? Like, why are you doing this? Like when LinkedIn put up the uh, the scheduler. Right. I'm thinking, oh, how is that going to affect all the social media management companies that have social media management and posting and scheduling? Right. They have relationships. So are they getting there? Money on the front end and the back end, and how it's going to affect their global relationship and all You're that. Asking questions. Ask the questions, right? But mm -hmm. like, be creative. Like, and I'll give you one, sis. Like, when I was when I quit the agency, I quit the agency on a dime. Like, I just told the dude I was burnt out. I felt like I was being. It wasn't appreciated. It was just expected of what I was doing. It was like, yo, go get a million views, bro. Go close a deal. Go do this. And I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm in a crib with my kids and all that. Like, I even had a conversation. Like, I'm burning out. You needed a break. Yeah. I needed a break. I'm doing I, this. This was uncharted waters for me. And then when he didn't feel me on that, I was like, yo, I gotta quit. And so when I quit, I'm like, damn, I need some bread. So what am I gonna do to be creative, sis? I did an NBA free agency post where I put my head on Clay Thompson's body put the company's logo where the Warriors name was, and I put my sales stats. It's like, yo, Jared Thomas is a free agent. Oh, I love that. I, 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 he has he sold X amount. You know, sources are telling me that he's rejuvenated and looking to make a big contribution, right? And that's how I got the other the last job. I was Look at that. Doing. So creative. You know what I mean? So stuff like that, guys, it could be anything. Yes. Anything. You know, what you remind me of, and we, you know, you know we've been going for an hour. We could go for like Oh, yeah, sis. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Uh, yeah, no, but the one of the last things I want to share is, um, so in that reading is, is kind of the theme. I, I discover so many ideas just allowing myself to read everything. And I, I picked up this book. These are the years where I was at the Daily Dot um, in Austin, Texas, called The Social Media Side Door. Because mm. as head of marketing there, one of my jobs was also just to like 
you know, make sure that our journalist stories were getting on the radar of whatever we wanted to do to promote and amplify that work and get more readership. So I was thinking a lot about like, well, how do you make sure stories are seen? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I read this guy, I'll never forget, Ian Greenlee's book, Social Media Side Door. And he talked a lot about that concept that, you, that you're describing of, well, how do you use these new technologies to your advantage, especially in the beginning, to almost sort of create an unfair advantage, to sort of discover a side door for yourself. And what the story you just shared is you creating a side door where one didn't even exist. And that's exactly how people should be thinking. It's one thing to say, let me do what other people are doing successfully, like you said, but the most effective thing to do is, well, what natively makes sense to me that I could do that creates an entirely new way of getting the thing that I want. That is the hardest thing ever. It's paving the road while you drive and it's the hardest thing you can do, but it's the most rewarding. It's the most rewarding. That's it. That's the most rewarding and fulfilling thing you can do, sis. And that's what I love about it. And sis, I got to tell you, because we have the hour mark and I don't want to keep you too long since I know we got things to do. But I do want to tell you, sis, that I'm a big fan of yours and mm-hmm. I appreciate you for coming on. Like, I've got nothing but love and respect for you. Okay. I'm honored that you came onto the show. I'm honored to call you a friend, sis. Like, I mean that. And I, and I want and I'm to looking at you and like, I feel it and I mean it to you, too. Like, I'm saying no to a lot of things right now. But this is an immediate yes. And I just, I'm grateful that we had the opportunity to connect and to share. I know for a fact, we're going to create like 20 different clips from this conversation. <laughs> there were so many gems. And it's the first of many times. It really is. I, I'm, I'm going to put on the you know virtual vision board of life that within the next 365 days, you and I are going to be on a stage somewhere together. No, we, we are for sure, sis. For sure. And it's going to happen. And what I wanted, I'm going to put this in the air. I want a conversation with me, you, Walt, Liz, Lisa, Madison, and I want a couple of more people. And I want us, if we get 10 on StreamYard, whatever 10 we decide, and I want us to talk that talk and be honest and and really just open a pathway for the younger brothers and sisters that are behind us that are like, yo, I want to break into tech. How do I do this? How can I I make this money? And how can I impact? Because that's what I care about. I care about us. I care about how do we open up doors for everybody. And that's what I want to see for us, sis. So Absolutely. I'm so with you. And I'm glad that we started off with the telling of that story of like, yeah, I'm going to compete with the Wharton marketing undergrads for a job having never studied marketing because I can't. That's it. But literally the, the only limitation is access. And that is a big limitation for a lot of us. That's it. So I don't take it lightly that, you know, in a lot of my stories that hasn't been the thing that has held me back. I see that hundred percent. People don't know that my parents were the first um, people in their families to be, Educated, their generation, not them individually, but yeah. their generation. Yeah. Well, on my dad's side, him, uh, but my mom's dad, who's who later became one of Nigeria's most prominent businessmen. He Cheers. was born in one of those shanty river things, the the shanty towns, like the 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 um the houses on stilts in yeah. Lagos. Yeah, that's where he was born. Wow. And then he wow. ended up having apartments in Paris and London, he built that. So I come from, um, you know, in my DNA is this sort of let's realize dreams. That's like what's in me. And I understand that it's much harder to do what my grandfather did 
than it is to do what I'm doing. And so because of that, I'm committed to pulling up as many people with me as I can. So true, sis. And that's so real, sis. And and that's 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 my why, sis. Like, I'm still in the Bronx. I'm still in Parkchester. You know what, sis? There's dudes that I used to hustle with back in the day. I go to the store right now. Guess what? They're like, yo, Jay, I'm about to start a podcast. I'm about to do this. I'm about to do you know how that makes me feel, sis? You know what I'm saying? Like, like that's what it's about for me. Like, I used to walk, when I was working at Starbucks, and I'll tell you this, like, before we go, like, I used to get off the six train. I used to look at every single building in my, like, in my community or whatever. Every light was on. I used to think of what is the story of every single light? Because we all try to get this mug. Like, that's what I used to think about, sis. And I would walk home. It's like, yo, do, do they care about my story? Like, what do they do? We all trying to and get how out. How old were you in that moment? 21, 22. So you see, that's the thing also. Like, you're, everybody's destiny, I think, is written so early on because you knew you were a storyteller, even if you didn't have the words to that's say nice. that you were, you know? And, and, I'll, and okay, so I'll end with this. My, my earliest memory, I could probably think of earlier ones, but of like, you are a marketing person. I remember, and this is so corny, but I was house president of my boarding school. Like in 10th and 11th grade, you live in one house. And so in 11th grade, you can run for president of that house. And so I became president of Stanley House. And I decided that that year we were going to have the dopest sweatshirts. So we had these bright green Stanley sweatshirts. And those had existed. But what, what did we do that was a little different to like take it up another level? We had our last names emblazoned on the back. So we would walk around campus like we were everything. And we made, so marketing has always been what I've done. I just didn't know what to call it, you know? That's it. It's not on us, it's in us. It's in us. It's not on us, it's in us. Exactly, exactly. And so that's why anybody who's feeling like, you know, your content got stolen, you know, you said something brilliant and you saw someone else say good morning and it got 5 million likes. Don't even worry about it because it's still in you. And that's all that matters. That's so real, sis. And I want once again, thank you. And Brad, for everybody else on the check-in, thank you guys. I know I don't, so know why I don't get the, the, the viewers on here. It's not connecting like that, but I see you guys post-show, and I just want to say I love you guys. Next week, we got the last episode of the season. We've got Paxton Baker, who's the chairman of the Washington Nationals Funding Group. So he's a black man that's chairman of the board for major sports organization. I didn't know that even exists, and I'm so honored to have this brother on. So love a chairman. Tune in that you right. Tune in next week. I can't wait. And then, you know, like I said, 2023, we're taking over, sis. I can't wait to see the amazing things you do. And thank you for coming on. And we're gonna make that talk happen with 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 Walt, Matt. We're gonna I'm make so that happen. Here for it. I'm so here for it. Thank yeah. you, bro. This has been thank so great. Nothing but love for you guys. And thanks again, guys. We we'll see you guys next week. And thanks for another episode of More Than the Title. We we'll see you guys next week.